0: Welcome to the Quantum Love Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant. In this show, we'll be exploring all things love, relational mastery, and the initiations that that entails, and what the journey looks like and feels like when we open up and let love lead. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. To the Quantum Love Podcast. Today, we are going to be diving into why emotionally intimate friendships really matter and why you need them, and what happens when your romantic relationships are threatened by these emotionally intimate friendships. But before I get into all of the juiciness here. Uh, Just a couple announcements. So we are taking a little break from the Embodied Alchemy series until probably mid-August, end of August. I haven't decided on the next official start date for the next series. But the next series, we are going to be exploring the codes of sovereignty and unwinding people-pleasing programming. So if you have like a nice person programming running inside of you, like the nice girl, the nice guy, the nice person, you know that you people-please and you know that it's not serving you or your relational dream, uh, that is a series you are going to want to keep an eye out for. And I will open registration Soon, and so you can pre-register for that if you would like to join that series. And the summertime, I've got a couple new new things on the horizon. So I am bringing back my healing heartbreak course. So it is one that I, I mean, I did a, a version of this with a former partner, and I, I just really like having. A program available for people who are going through heartbreak, breakups, divorce, uh, any type of ending that you weren't really expecting and how to begin that healing process, rebooting yourself. So that program will likely be available by the end of this month. It is a self-study. There are audio modules, and I'm also including three live embodiment classes because if we don't get into the body, that pain stays locked up, and then our armor goes on, and we tend to either create very similar dynamics or we go in really walled off and then we feel lonely or we feel like we're not quite getting what we want out of our relationships because we're not fully open. So this is a wonderful bridge to be able to tend to and alchemize all of the emotions that come up and the embodiment work is perfect for that. So I'm gonna be offering three live sessions. They're gonna happen, there's one in July, one in August, and one in September. So it's kind of done over a couple months period so that you have time and space to really go through the curriculum and apply it. And then I'm also opening my Dating for Partnership program. Which I am so stoked for. And that one will also include some embodiment classes, plus some live coaching and a curriculum that goes along with it. So that program is going to be 12 weeks, so three months. And we're going to kick that off in July. The first live call for that program, I believe is July 11th. So I will be releasing more details about both of those programs to my email list really soon. So make sure that you are on there. Um, and I'll also be talking about it here. So, There will be links in future episodes for you to check out. And those are all the housekeeping things we got to get through today. That's what's on the horizon for the summer. I'm really excited to bring those programs through for you. So we have, you know, a nice dating for partnership and that's a very different, you know, dating program than if you were just dating casually. So this is the program that you take If you legitimately want to date for a serious relationship, date for partnership. Uh, There are certain codes, there are certain pathways, there are certain um, elements that we really want to tap into when we have that intention and we're really wanting to co-create that relational dream in our hearts with someone. And then, of course, if that's not where you're at and you're like, I'll say I'm heartbroken, Don't worry, I got you. And the Healing Heartbreak course will be available as well. So without further ado, let's get into today's conversation about being emotionally intimate in our friendships and why this really matters. So I think we all kind of get the drift by this point that your emotional needs cannot be fulfilled by only one person. And if you are putting the pressure on one person to fulfill all of your emotional needs, not only are you gonna be wildly disappointed by that, but it's also likely going to trigger some old wounding. So our core wounds can get really infected and really aggravated when our needs aren't being met. So first of all, you know, you really have to learn how to tend to your own needs. That's important because how are you ever going to loop someone in and say, Hey, like, this is, this is what I actually need and be really clear and really concise with how you're delivering that and being able to deliver that with a degree of openness and connectivity. It's literally an art form. And, Uh, It's an art form that I teach in the path of initiated. So that is the 13 month path where we really dive into the foundations of relational mastery so that you can learn how to not only identify your needs, but also tend to them. And then when the time is appropriate, open up and let someone else in, reveal what you need from a place of connectivity and openness. Because if we are not being connected and open when we are delivering our needs, there is a high probability that's coming off as a demand or an attempt to control. Like there's a lot of things that will happen that will cause a collapse in a relational container when it comes to revealing these more vulnerable parts. And the reasons why we aren't always so open and connected when we reveal our needs is because they likely have chronically been, you know, unmet for so long. And so it feels really vulnerable to reveal it. And so we kind of bring in this protection, this armor, which actually works against us. Because it's the armor that people are reacting to, not necessarily your need, which is the heartbreaking thing to me because oftentimes it's not that your partner doesn't give a shit about your needs or doesn't want them to be fulfilled, but they're reacting against your armor. And, and the same is true on the flip side. Like You might be reacting against their armor and it makes it hard for you to go in and really tend to and want to tend to your partner's needs. So there's a big difference if someone comes at you and they're more aggressive and they're kind of really standoffish and maybe even a little cold and they make a, a demand of you. The likelihood of you wanting to really get in the ring with them, if you have a choice in the matter, you're probably going to be like, eh, no thanks, that's not for me. And there's a very big difference when someone comes to you open, when they come to you connected, and you can feel them. You can feel their heart. You can feel the truth of what they're saying. You can feel their vulnerability. That is something that really has most people want to turn towards. So this is an art form that has to be cultivated. And unfortunately, it's not something that we generally learn in our upbringing, in our relational templates. And because it's not a relational muscle that we are well equipped with, then we just keep repeating playing all of these relational muscles that aren't so effective. So first things first is we have to remind ourselves that A, our needs matter. And you need to be able to identify your needs and then tend to them yourself. Because if you're asking someone for something that you don't know how to give to yourself, what's happening in that moment is you're making them responsible for your well-being, so you're kind of putting them in this position of being a surrogate parent to you instead of a partner or a friend, and then we easily from there will slip into codependent territory. So really, be mindful of the things that you require in terms of your needs. That those are things that you can tend to uh, when you are by yourself, and every single need can be tended to in that way. It doesn't mean you have to, you know, take on this rugged individualism and you never need anybody ever again, and you don't have any needs and, um, you you just never let anybody in. That's swinging to another extreme that is equally as unworkable. And, you know, it's more so about coming into this place of connectivity with yourself and being able to say hey i know how to tend to this need myself and it feels really supportive when it's amplified by another but i won't be blown out if someone says no because at the very you know end of the day i i still have me i still know that i've got my back and i can tend to this so this is you know baseline <laughs> Well, we're going to lay the preliminary groundwork here. So knowing what you need and knowing how you can give yourself what you need, important information. And then when we go into this next phase of understanding that not one person is supposed to be the be all end all for fulfilling your needs. I mean, I guess maybe there is one and that would be you, but You know, in terms of romantic partners or friends or family members, no other one person can fulfill on all of your needs 100% of the time. And to put that expectation on them only sets to, you know, really compress the life force out of the relationship. So that's where we get into a lot of resentment, shut down, turn away terrain. We don't want that. So having friendships where there's a high degree of emotional intimacy, so emotional intimacy, meaning closeness, there's honesty, there's a sharing of your feelings, there's validation, there's connectability there. They know you. You let them see you, not just when you're doing great, but they get to see the full picture of you. They get to know the full scope of who you are, which is a pretty vulnerable thing. You know, and when we have this degree of connectivity and closeness, there is this beautiful foundation of safety and security that can be cultivated in those friendships. And you know, we really build the emotional intimacy through really good communication. So if we want to have great relationships, we have to be great communicators. And that's anytime I've ever worked, worked with a couple, that's one of their biggest complaints of each other. <laughs> That, you know, one partner usually complains that the other one is a terrible communicator. But if I get them both alone, they both have an occurring world of themselves that they both are great communicators. It's just the other one that is the problem. And that's the problem is when we individually think that we're the good one and we have the good communication skills, and it's the other person that has the bad communication skills. Um, then we get into this game of I'm good, you're bad, I'm right, you're wrong. There's no connectability there. There's no openness there. When we're in the right, wrong, good, bad uh, cage, like because it really is a cage, there is no spaciousness, there is no openness for connection because we're too busy putting on the protection. We're too busy walling off and, like, coming up with all of our arguments to support our point. And that's really like a you versus me or me versus you instead of an us, like, as a unit. And there's an us unit when it comes to friendships, when it comes to your intimate relationships. Um, there's this element of us, connectability, relationships. And without really cultivating the muscles of good communication, it's very hard to build an emotionally intimate landscape in your friendships or in your romantic relationships. So by learning how to really listen, this is such an important skill that most people aren't great at. Engaged listening. So there's this beautiful energetic transaction that will happen when we are in the presence of someone who's engaged as we are speaking. So they're really an engaged listener. You can tell when somebody is listening to you and you can tell when they're not. Most people are not listening. A lot of people are in their head having a very different conversation And then there are people who are listening, but only so that they can respond. They're not actually listening to hear you. And maybe you fall in these categories. It's very possible. And so it's really important that we take an honest inventory with ourselves. Like how, how good of a listener am I really? you know, am I present with someone when they're speaking? Do I really hear them when they're talking? Am I able to understand the layers and the nuance of what they're communicating? And if I had to, would I be able to reflect back to them what they have said in a way that they feel really understood? Because if we are like, And this happens a lot where someone will be listening and instead of like hearing what you're saying, they're really off in this other zone of like how they would feel in that category. And so they try and finish your sentences uh, based on how they would be navigating that situation. And most of the time when that kind of stuff happens, it couldn't be further from the position that the speaker is in. And when that happens, when a listener shows that they are so off in a completely different field than where the speaker is, that busts connection. That, if that happens over time and it happens consistently over time, it also really busts trust because you know that that person's not really listening. They are trying, and a lot of the time when this happens, um, I just want to be really clear. It's an attempt to establish connection. It's an attempt to establish rapport. Like, oh yeah, I went through that too. You know, have you ever had that happen where you're sharing something and then the person listening literally hijacks the conversation is like, oh yeah, this one time I went through the exact same thing. And then they start telling a story and you're like, what the fuck? That couldn't be any like any further from what I'm actually talking about here. Or the way that they're interpreting the situation is light years away from where you actually are. So that happens when you know we can't be present in ourselves, when we can't receive. Like active listening is a really receptive stance. You're literally rooted, you're connected, you're open, and you're receptive. And you're paying attention to what's being said. You're, being, you're paying attention to cues in their body, cues in their face that also support the communication. And you're taking all of that information, and at the very end, when they are done speaking... So you're not interrupting them. And this happens a lot where people just interrupt in the middle of a story and like pull it off center and not because they're trying to be jerks, but you know, you can tell when someone's really not listening. And if that happens enough, you know, the speaker might just shut down and say, okay, well, there's no point in talking to this person because they're not really hearing me. And if you have a persistent complaint in your relationships of not being heard, this is an important area for you to look at. Look and see when you're the listener, how well are you really hearing what is being communicated? Because you will likely find it's a lot harder than you think, first of all. But as you attune and up level your listening skills, your experience of being listened to as well is going to transform because as you become better at listening, uh, you will be very clear on what you need when you're the speaker. So if you have someone in your life who just doesn't listen to you very well, you'll be able to open that conversation from a place of openness and connect connection and connectability with them and say, you know what, I totally get why this might happen sometimes. And it's, you know, not a personal attack at all, but when it's my turn to speak, this is what I really need from you. And that will communicate to me that you really value what I'm saying, that you're really listening, that you really hear me. Is that something that you're able to do? And it's just, it's so much more concise. It's so much more direct And a lot of people's communication is so ambiguous and they talk around the thing that they actually want to say, which also makes communication difficult. Like if someone won't land the plane and they're talking around the thing, sometimes that is a way, an unconscious way to hook people in. So the other person then has to figure out what's going on inside of you instead of you figuring out what's going on inside of you and revealing that to them. So it's this way that we can manipulate for attention sometimes. So just be careful about that. If if you notice that in yourself or you notice that around in the people around you, because those are the things that are going to interfere with the ability to build intimacy in your relationships. Now, I highly suggest that you practice the muscle of emotional intimacy with your friends. And if you have friends that you're not emotionally intimately connected to, it might be worth contemplating what value those friendships bring into your life. Because, I mean, we all have people who you know, or our surface level friends that we go to just to like shoot the shit. And we don't really ever have like deep discussions with them or deep connected experiences with, and that's fine. But if all of your friends fall into that category, there's a high likelihood that you're emotionally malnourished, which means when you go into your romantic relationships, there's going to be, uh, a certain degree of pressure that is put on your partner to fulfill this need that is being chronically unmet in all of your other relationships. And that degree of pressure will cause the relationship to collapse. Maybe not right away, but down the line, it will, because it is too much for one person to have to hold. And So as we start really building out our friendships to be more emotionally intimate, and this does not mean crossing lines. This does not mean blurring boundaries. That is not what emotional intimacy is all about. Emotional intimacy is about connection. It's about openness. It's about the ability to... And really reveal what's happening inside of you and what's going on in your life and be met inside of that. To have people in your life who actually care and give a shit about who you are and what you're going through. This really matters. People who can hold space for you when you're going through something big. Um, people who are able to talk about the hard stuff, to navigate conflict. This is interesting. People who are effective at navigating conflict have a high degree of emotional intimacy in their relationships because emotional intimacy increases every single time that you face a problem together. You problem solve and you get through the sticky, crunchy territory there is this deepening of connection and intimacy that happens. And so if you're conflict avoidant, there's a high probability that the relationships that you're conflict avoidant in are the relationships where there is minimal emotional intimacy, where you feel malnourished, and then that might collapse you into some compensatory behaviors. So ways in which you try and manipulate or pull to get your needs met because they're not getting met uh, on a regular basis. And when we are able to really up our conflict skills, our ability to have hard conversations and stay anchored in ourselves, stay open, stay connected, that is going to take you into this terrain of like, whoa we just connected on a whole other level and i know you so much deeper now the reason that my friendships are so rich is not because all of us are some you know special species of human that you know has magically aligned in harmonious relationships 24/7 that is not it it's because each and every one of us refuses to fall into the collapse of being conflict avoidant. And we are willing to bring up the things that bother us when they bother us in a way that invites the other person to meet us in the conversation. So if you just go guns blazing and you attack the other person, you make them wrong, you villainize them, There's not a lot of likelihood they're going to want to meet you in that conversation. But when you're able to reveal, like, hey, when this happened, it felt really sticky in my system. This is what's been going on for me. These are the stories I'm making up. This is the impulse that I have. Like, I had to navigate this recently with someone in my life that I really care about. And, you know, there were some things that were said and it immediately triggered my impulse to cut and run. So I could feel the armor trying to gain momentum and like, I could feel it like coming up my system and the impulse would historically have been to like cut that relationship, been like fuck you, you're the worst. I never want to talk to you again. Good riddance. Talk to you never. That's how I would have dealt with it 20 years ago. And now I named what was happening in real time. of like, ooh, I'm having a lot of sensation in my system. I'm feeling really sad. I'm feeling really disappointed. There's also a little bit of anger that's showing up. And I have this impulse to turn away and to shut you out and to cut this off. And I'm committed to something way bigger. And I'm not going to do that. But I might need a couple days to kind of move through my feelings and be able to revisit conversation 2.0 in a couple days um, after I've been able to metabolize a little bit more. And then we did conversation 2.0 and it was so gorgeous because both of us got to air the projections, the distortions, the things that we were making the situation mean, um, and then by revealing this layer by layer by layer by layer, layer, we got to the heart of the matter where I connected to their core wounds. They connected to my core wounds and we were able to give each other the thing that we really needed. I needed to hear that no matter what, they were going to be there for me when it really counted. And they needed to know that no matter what, I love them more than any degree of disappointment I might feel because of the choices and decisions that get made. And there is this deep, deep healing that happened that, you know, forever will change the course of both of our romantic relational imprints and the, the path that we walk but it also deepened our friendship. You know, there's this level of awareness and closeness, but also this freedom that happened in that relationship because now I know that we can navigate those waters. So there's this freedom to really be myself. There's freedom for them to really be themselves in this dynamic now. Because we both trust each other. We both trust each other to be able to show up really powerfully, to show up as responsible relational adults. And that really anchors in deeper emotional intimacy. Um, another way we can really start to build emotional intimacy is, you know, by talking about our feelings and like getting more connected in the emotional domain. So even being able to just identify your own feelings and let someone know that these are feelings that I have sometimes, Ah! (laughs) they freak me out, you know, or being able to name it in conversation as it's happening. Like that is, you know, a level of mastery, which again, we navigate that and we lay that foundation in initiated. All of these like foundational relational concepts, I teach and we practice in that container. So if you're like, man, I really wanna be able to do that. <laughs> I want to be able to, you know, tame my my inner beasts and my, you know, inner wounds in a way where I don't have to hide them. I don't have to, you know, cast them into the dungeon, but I can dance with them. I can be with them. I can reveal them in real time and still not do damage. To my relationships, but instead deepen the connectivity, deepen the intimacy, deepen the trust. If you want to do that, initiated is your path. That that's just the path you go. <laughs> um, and you know, when we are able to get in the realm of our feelings, it makes all of the relational dancing and co-creation so much smoother. Because you are able to not only be responsible for your feelings because you know what they are, but you're able to feel them and you're not afraid of feeling them, which is the embodiment work that we do so that your body and your nervous system has capacity to be with the hard feelings, the tough stuff. And you don't immediately collapse into protection mode or avoidance or anxiety. Like It's not this immediate collapse that happens. Instead, there's a little bit of spaciousness for curiosity. And as soon as that curiosity is there, we have a little bit of room to welcome other people in. And we can reveal like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling really anxious. And the reason I'm feeling anxious is da, 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 da. So you kind of get into the more nuanced layers of your feelings. And through that, you reveal more about who you are. The more you reveal about who you are in the presence of the right people, people who have the skills to hold this masterfully, and people who have a baseline of respect and dignity, and who can hold their own emotional worlds with reverence. Every time you reveal these parts of you, there is this opening. There's more space for love. There's more space for connection. Because there are old parts of you that learn like, oh, I'm not going to be rejected for this, or I'm not going to be abandoned for this, or I'm not going to be humiliated for this. Huh. I have new relational evidence here. And the more new relational evidence that we build, the more we kind of get to flow and create on this momentum of quantum love, this momentum of healthy conscious relationships. It's really cool stuff, really cool stuff. And, you know, a couple other ways that we can build emotional intimacy in our friendships is, you know, having someone who can validate your perspective. When you share that you, you know, are really sad, they don't try and positivity bypass you out of it. They can say, "Yeah." you know, that makes sense why you're feeling so sad. And I can sit here in the sadness with you. Like no, Nothing has to change. You don't have to be anything else or anyone else. Like I can be here with you, you know, and of course there's always a line because if someone is constantly in a collapse, it doesn't serve them to keep, you know, pouring in in those ways. But, you know, when this is you know, a natural point in someone's life where something really hard or really sad has happened, it makes sense to meet them in that. And when we can do that for our friends, and this is really important, if your friend's going through something really hard and they have some kind of crunchy feelings about it, you trying to get them to see the bright side or getting them to see how wonderful they are is only going to have them wall off and probably get pretty pissed off because nothing is worse than someone who doesn't understand what you're going through and tries to get you out of where you're actually at. The avenue for getting out of where you're actually at is through the admission of where you actually are. So being able to admit wherever you are and feel it all the way through. Now, the reason that people will try and bypass you and get you to bypass yourself in, you know, positivity land or, you know, oh, you're so great. Like, why don't we look at solutions and why don't we fix the problem? So fixes, solutions, and positivity bypasses are all attempts on the other person's part to avoid feeling what witnessing you in your feelings brings up in them. It has nothing to do with you. It's actually kind of selfish. <laughs> you know, it, they, in these ways, like the solutions, the fixes, and the positivity bypass isn't about you coming through it. It's about you coming through it so they don't feel uncomfortable about you being in your feelings because they don't have a relationship to those feelings within themselves. They try and outrun those feelings. So how could they hold space? for you being in a feeling of disgust or fear or sadness or anger if they reject those feelings within themselves. So again, we really want to pay attention to the company that we keep because if someone constantly bypasses their own feelings and everything is awesome all the time and you know it's always the bright side, well, chances are that person doesn't have a very healthy relationship to the rest of their core emotions. Therefore, whenever you touch any of your other core emotions, that is going to trigger them and they're going to want to get out of that as soon as they possibly can. So those are, you know, that's a way that we bust emotional intimacy, both in our friendships, but also in our romantic relationships. Now, Emotional intimacy is not offloading and dumping onto somebody. So it's not when you're like really full emotionally and you literally barf that onto somebody else um, and expect them to just hold it. And then after you feel better because you just like cleared out your system, you like take off. That's not emotionally intimate at all. Um, Trauma bonding is also not emotionally intimate. You might feel that way because you're like, ooh, this is my wound and this is my wound and this is my trauma and this is my trauma and like let us get in this trauma wounding soup together. You might feel like it's intimate and close, but there's actually not true intimacy that is being cultivated there. Um, Also, any situations where there is a lot of Dependency happening where the other person's boundaries are being disrespected. So it's okay to depend on people. Like, don't distort what I'm saying. It is totally okay to depend on people. But if you are going into the collapse of dependence where you can't function on your own and you're literally pulling at someone else to try and save you, to rescue you from your experience that you're having, that is not emotionally intimate either. That is wildly codependent, and it often comes from our wounds, our unhealed wounds and our unhealed trauma. So it's not about making you wrong or anyone else wrong who does that, but it needs to be recognized that that isn't uh, a healthy strategy for connection. So it won't actually get you what you're after. And we have to be able to give up and we have to be willing to give up these strategies that we have that are ineffective, that you know, really don't serve the relational dream in our heart if we want to create the relational dream in our heart. So, you know, when we want to build emotional intimacy within our friendships. Obviously, the first thing to do is engage listening. And another way that you can build that is through problem solving with each other. So, you know, whether that's, you know, navigating conflict really well with each other, practicing those skills with each other, um, but also, you know, really bringing forward your feelings to each other. Practice revealing your feelings and feeling your feelings around each other. Allow yourself to get choked up. Allow yourself yourself to get moved. Like that is immediately going to bring down the walls and open connection and really anchor the two of you in this really beautiful place. When you allow yourself to be seen, you allow yourself to be felt, you allow yourself to be known. And the Third area that you can really cultivate some emotional intimacy in your friendships is by establishing a culture of safety and rapport with each other, meaning that you understand what the other person needs to feel really safe to open. Okay. That's very different from, you know, the safety distortion that happens out in the world a lot right now, which is like, I never want to be triggered. Don't you ever say anything that upsets me. That's not safety. That's coddling. That's actually keeping you from your most expansive and honest and mature self. That isn't safety. It's coddling. But what do you need in order to feel safe enough to really open in the presence of the other person and what do they need in order to feel safe enough in your presence to fully open. That's where we get into the juicy territory of relational safety. Relational safety isn't trying to prevent the landmines of our triggers and never say anything that the other person is offended by or upset about, um, that that's just not going to work. Like if you try and do that, you're literally going to be walking on eggshells every time you go into that relationship. Cause you're like, is this going to set them off? Is this going to set them off? Like, is this going to set them off? Obviously in your relationships and your friendships, there is this degree of respect and rapport and dignity Like, that's just the baseline. Like, we don't say things that are malicious. We don't say things that are harmful in the sense of attacking someone's, you know, sense of self-worth or attacking their well-being. Like, that is nowhere near healthy relating. So that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about is, is there freedom in the relationship to be the like the fullest expression of who I am, knowing that sometimes, you know, I might say something that upsets you or that you don't agree with, but there's space for that to belong because I know what you need to feel safe in this relationship, safe enough to open, which is probably a baseline of respect, dignity, care, compassion, humor. (laughs) Like there's probably a lot of things that will help you feel safe enough to open. And if you know what you need to feel safe enough to open, and then you ask the other person what they need, and then you kind of navigate what your relationship is asking of the two of you in terms of your friendship. So when we have established friendships that are really emotionally healthy and really emotionally intimate, What can happen when you get into a romantic relationship is the person that you are in a relationship with might feel threatened by that. And there are two main reasons why a new partner might feel threatened by emotionally intimate and emotionally healthy friendships that you hold. Number one, they personally lack the skills for emotional intimacy. And because they lack the skills for emotional intimacy, they automatically feel threatened by anyone who does because, you know, they know that they can't really like uphold the standard of relating that you're used to, that you're likely going to invest into. So there's this, you know, wobbly feeling that will happen. Another reason why they might feel threatened is because there's emotional intimacy missing in the relationship. So if you and I used to do this, <laughs> where I really compartmentalized my relationships. So I would have really emotionally intimate friendships with both the men and the women in my life. And then uh, because I was getting all my needs met um, emotionally in my friendships, I wasn't opening in the same way to my romantic partners. And so um, like that was on me. That was on me of like not opening that doorway and cultivating that same level of emotional intimacy in a romantic relationship. And that came from, you know, my compensatory strategy of like trying to keep myself safe and walled off and protected from hurt. I was just trying to prevent myself from feeling hurt if that relationship ever ended. So my unconscious logic here was, well, if you're not super emotionally, intimately connected, if it ends, it won't hurt as bad. And it had, that logic is flawed for so many reasons. <laughs> um, but the biggest one of all is that it robbed me of the opportunity to have emotionally intimate experiences with my romantic partner. So you really have to look and be honest. Like, Is emotional intimacy missing in the relationship? And if it is what's going on in me that I'm willing to turn towards my friends, um, maybe even your family, and generate emotional intimacy in those relationships, but I'm not willing to do it for the person who I'm in a romantic relationship with. What's that about? And then sometimes it's a combination of both, that emotional intimacy is missing in the romantic relationship, but it's also not a skill set that your partner has. And so there's this degree of feeling threatened. Um like it's kind of like a double hit to them. So really when it comes down to selecting your partners, so when you're dating for partnership, we really want to take a look at how someone reacts to your emotionally intimate, emotionally healthy friendships if they attack them if they put them down if they make snide comments about it that's a really big hint that you might be walking into a landmine a relational landmine with that person and you know we have to have enough anchoredness in our sovereignty and in ourselves and in you know the relational dream in our heart essentially that we want to create That we are willing to say goodbye or no to people right at the beginning who are showing us that they do not have the skills to create the type of relationship that you are ultimately desiring in your heart. Because that's not just going to magically change one day just because you get into a relationship doesn't mean that they're somehow going to become emotionally available or develop these emotional intimacy skills. And like, that's not going to happen. Like that's the fantasy at play. And again, if you really struggle with fantasy, you're going to want to get your cute little butt into initiated to unwind that. Because if we have all of this fantasy going around inside of us that will have us commit in relationships with people who right from the beginning were showing us signs that they weren't able to meet us where we wanted to be met. And if we don't pay attention to that, we might waste a lot of our own time. It's not the other person that's wasting your time. It's likely you wasting your own time when we are playing out patterns like this. Okay, this is not to say that, you know, someone who, you know, lies about <laughs> what they want or um, something like that, you know, and, and people have every right to change their mind. I think that's an important thing we got to keep in mind when it comes to relationships. No relationship is ever guaranteed forever. And at any point in time, you or the other person has full reign, full sovereignty to change your mind. If, the relational container is no longer serving the highest good for both people. If you've literally gone as far as you can go, you are allowed to change your mind. And so are they. And this can feel really threatening to someone who, you know, isn't really rooted in those deep, emotionally intimate waters. Because it it will, they'll make it mean something that it doesn't. But when we are really anchored in those emotional, emotionally healthy waters, and we trust ourselves to identify our needs and reveal those needs, and you know, tend to those needs ourselves if no one else is available, <laughs> um, and we also give other people high quality information to help uh, support our needs, and we build this culture of emotional closeness in our friendships, in all of our relationships, then if someone can't meet us in the type of romantic relationship we want, or if you find that you know they've changed their mind at some point along the journey and they're like, you know what, I thought I wanted this, but I'm really not ready for it or I really don't want it, that change isn't going to blow out your entire identity. It's not going to, you know, blow you to bits. It's it's going to impact you, of course. It's going to hurt. It's going to sting. Like, you know, any ending does. But it's not going to destroy you the same way that it would if, you know, we are playing in fantasy <laughs> we're not paying attention, if we're not cultivating emotionally healthy and intimate connections, because we have nothing to fall back on in terms of support, you know, community support, um, you know, familial support, but just having that, you know, safe, soft place to land when life doesn't go according to plan, because that is kind of the one guarantee on this planet is that, (laughs) Things may go according to plan sometimes, but they often don't, at least not according to our plans, you know, as human beings, like we have very distinct ideas about how things should go and how they should be. And then life comes in and shakes it up and is like, well, nope, <laughs> nice try, cute, but no, 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 no. And, you know, that obviously can be really confronting. But the more emotionally anchored we are, the more we understand that it's okay to, you know, feel our feelings and, you know, sadness and disappointment and upset are all part of the process. They're all part of the human landscape here. And there will be times that we are meant to feel them. If I know a partner says, Hey, I've gone as far as I can go with you. You know, we can feel our disappointment. We can feel our anger. We can feel our sadness. um, We can feel our fear and still remain open to the relational dream in our hearts. So I think that's all I needed to say about that today. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think my rant's done today for that. So if any of these parts pinged you, and you want to have a deeper discussion about you know this podcast episode and you're not quite ready to come into the other programs then you can join my introductory membership the quantum love membership and we will be doing you know discussions around the podcast episodes in there there's a lot of extra content in there some workshops and you know get access to worksheets that you can you know practice some of these skills And you also get access to Q and A's with me and live Q and A's and drop-in classes for the Embodied Alchemy series. So there is a drop-in class this month. I haven't decided the theme yet. It's the last Sunday of June. And, uh, if you are in the quantum love membership, you get access to that as part of your membership. So, Uh, You also get that class if you're in initiated or if you're in the embodied alchemy membership, those all include the drop-in classes as well. So I will pop the links in the show notes. Uh, You can keep an eye on that for the drop-in class. And I love you all. I hope you have a great weekend, day, wherever you are in space and time. And I will be talking to you very soon. Bye friends.